This is it. The putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. It's been said that people run systems and the systems run their businesses. Thoughts and beliefs run people. It's all about why we do what we do, what we attribute importance to, what drives us, how we frame the decisions we make, how we feel, and how we think. So much of our success in life and in business is about what we believe in our hearts and what's inside our brain. In business, I call this the small biz brain. Small Biz America. The Brain. Our guest on this segment is an executive coach focusing on maximizing your leadership, potential, and performance. He's, his inside-out process helps identify and dissolve your hidden blind spots so you can make rapid behavioral changes. Jason Troy is the best-selling author of Social Wealth, the how-to guide on building extraordinary business relationships. He's also a featured speaker on TEDx Wilmington 2017, where he shares a game-changing team-building game that he created. Finally, we should mention he's the host of the podcast show, Executive Breakthroughs, which brings game-changing CEOs, entrepreneurs, and experts that share their breakthroughs and breakdowns. Let's welcome Jason. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. You have been focused recently, Jason Troy, on the lack of employee engagement because it's really reaching this tipping point, this crisis point, with 70% of U.S. workers now completely disengaging uh, per Gallup. Uh, so how, should, how do you recommend your clients, your companies attack this problem? Well, I think, you know, I just addressed this. Actually, I spoke at TEDx Wilmington um, on the 16th, so not, not that long ago. Wow. And uh, I've been working, you know, just looking at that problem for quite a long time. And it was the focus of my speech for the last year and preparing for it. And one of the things that I found was that any company needs to focus on really just building likability between people. And I think that's from understanding what people do outside of work, their histories, their stories and their struggles that's what really building a great culture is. And I think the problem is in building really effective teams and cultures, people talk at this 50,000 foot view and people want to know, okay, well, how do you do that? Like what really makes great teams what they are, right? And if you look at Google did research um, on this project Aristotle and they spent millions of dollars in three years trying to fill out how, how to build the perfect team. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, there's a lot of articles, but if you delve into the real research on what they did, that's what they were trying to do was to build the perfect team. And researchers basically stumbled across um, what the answer was because they had a bunch of different 
They had four other uh, characteristics that I found on some of the teams, but all, not all the teams. So they couldn't finish the research because they didn't have any glue that was across every single team that was the highest performing teams. And they were listening in to a manager talk about how he was having cancer with his team. Wow. And their performance dramatically went up. And so what they drew out of that and just found in other teams a psychological safety is the only factor across all of the highest performing teams at Google, right? That's the ability to connect on a personal level for teams to be able to ask questions in the group and also to raise controversial ideas. How you do that is you have people who care about each other that know about each other um, in, in a way that is not just knowing their name, where they're from. There's a lot more depth to that relationship. And Jason, you know, as you color this relationship, the nuances you're describing, it's kind of back to that no like and trust thing. I don't mean back to it, but it's another application of it. Really, this idea that, 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 that it is about humans connecting, true connection. And, it is. And this inside out concept, which we're going to unpack in just a second. So the work you do when you go into companies, is it largely focused on this ideal team development process? Is that typically what you're working on? A lot of it's just with individuals or groups, and it's really helping them understand and see their blind spots Yeah, um, and the patterns that they've been really having their entire life that are holding them back. Mm. Um, this is just another aspect that I think is important on trying to really boost your team performance yeah. and boost your culture because people talk about Google having a great culture, but I don't, I mean, I have friends that work there and have worked there. One of my friends was employee number 80. And so I understand more what's going on there. And yeah. I think that when you, when wrap it, it's not about what most people think it is. It, having principles and having all the rest of this stuff does not build a great culture. <laughs> it, yeah. It's about knowing pe it really if you really want to say what really makes a difference, if there are one thing, it's if you, the more that people know about what you do outside of work and what goes on, the higher performing your team will be. Because you're going to like the person because you're going to find more common ground and experiences that either you have or people close to you have that you can relate to that other person, right? And when you can relate to them, you know, things like communication, collaboration, you're better at, you resolve conflict more. I mean, just think about it. Everyone is listening. The people that you like the most, you work the best with, and it's a lot easier than the people that you don't like working with. Yeah, it's fairly intuitively obvious, but you know, this has come up a lot. The implementation of change, whether it's culture or process or manufacturing processes or whatever, that seems to be the real problem. You can talk about it from a high level, as you said earlier. Till you're uh, blue in the face, but the truth is, is that it's really, really hard to get it to work and implement. So, which begs, you know, how do you get people to like each other more? I mean, that, that's really what you're yeah, almost no, asking for here, you know. And, and and what it is is, I found. So, I did this research, yeah. and I found um, a professor. His name's Arthur Aaron. Back in 1997, was running things with grad students yeah. on how he could basically create people to be friends, right? Just b build friendships <laughs> out of complete strangers, right? Love it, love it. And he and he found. And he was doing a bunch of things. Yeah. And one of the studies he ran was he had people who didn't know each other pair off and ask each other a series of questions, 36 questions that started off, you know, not revealing a lot. But at the end, they were like, OK, if you could pick one year of your life to do over, which one would it be and why? Right. And so yeah. what they found at the end of the 45 minutes, and this is pretty, pretty astonishing when you hear these results, 30 percent of the people said the relationship they just created was closer 
than the closest relationship in their life. What? 30% of the people said the relationship they had just built was, they felt closer to that person than the the closest people in their life. Right. And there were 50 some students who were doing this grad students, right? Yeah. Yeah. 50 some percent, 57% of the people got together after the study on their own and they weren't even measuring this. And one of the pairs got engaged, got engaged and married, invited everyone from the group to it. Right. So when you look at this, so the thing that I took away from it is that how can we create a way? So I created a game. It's I call it the cards against mundanity. And it's basically a game where you can operate in any group and just ask questions. It's question and answer. And I put together questions based off that and some other ones for a group environment. And I've run it a half dozen times and it's worked really, really well. Um, and, and I've done it with people who've known each other for 10 years, right? Well, because I love this. Right. Because it's, it, here's the other thing, too, by having a card. Right. So if I asked you the question, right, David, so if I asked you a question that was really revealing or something that was really hard, like, you know, what what's the toughest thing you've had to overcome in the last five years? Yeah. Well, if, if I asked you that and I'm in a work setting and we're working together, that's that's a hard thing. You're probably going to feel, you know, like you may not reveal everything or you may pick another incident. But if a card asks you it, it's much more anonymous. And you're more apt to read it and give the answers out. And that works. And especially when I've done it in groups, too, when the leader goes first. And if the leader or most senior person in the room um, picks a question that is more revealing, everyone else follows. Right. So you imagine when you're doing this for an hour with, you know, I've run it with teams, about four to 12 people. And that's about as many as you want. Okay. And, you know, the amount of people and what they've learned right now, it's a starting point. It's not an ending point. But you create a lot of common ground because you're learning about people and their experiences and you can relate to them. And especially some of them tremendously more, um, after doing something like that. Right. And it's simple. It doesn't cost you thousands of dollars. You don't have to be Google or Bain consulting or be one of Forbes, you know, top workplaces, any single place can do this. Right. And it's, it's not hard. And I've had to game my website and I put it up after my speech for free. So it's like people only even get charged for it. I mean, they can go run it. And the results, you know, speak for themselves. And if you have a bigger company, I've have teams run it in parallel. They weren't even in the room. And it just spreads, right? Because people know that everyone's doing it. So people will share things together. And it's simple. Where you said before, it's a simple thing, right? But people don't do simple things. They want to make it so much more complex and think it's going to cost them a billion dollars and yeah, you know, yeah. 50 hours of work. And yeah, yeah. we can't do it. Um but you have to, because this is, this is how you get the highest performance out of your own company um, and maximize their metrics that you need. I love this idea, the power of the question. I mean, I'm a guy that does interviews for a living, right? So the power of the question totally. to, 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 to spark, ignite a relationship and this thing where you make the card sort of the, the asker so that it, it, takes yes. the, it takes the heat off of the, the newness of it. I'm curious though, when you, those numbers you gave about like, this was more a deeper relationship that I've, I've created than many of the people in my life or anyone else in my life is the power of recency at play there too. In other words, it's because it just happened and it was so exciting that it's, it feels could emotionally be. overwhelming. And I don't mean to think you know, I'm not in any way throwing water. This is sort of a, uh, an insightful question that I thought of while I was listening. It may or may not be at play. I'm not sure. You say, could I don't know. I mean, yeah. that part of it, they didn't mention the research. I mean, yeah, he did it yeah. dozens and dozens of times, right? Yeah. And, and 
it, you know, it's also the absence. There's no social media. So this was at a different time in 97, yeah, but yeah. done it over, I know more than a decade of running the research and doing wow. it. Um, so I, the numbers were pretty consistent based yeah. on all the, the follow-up research studies on all the numbers on what people, um, had said, but it makes, it just makes a lot of sense that yeah. you yeah. just, you know, because Here's the problem. When you have cards, ask a bunch of questions to people, you get to know them fast. The other way that you leave it to is chance, right? So I might find out some stuff about you because I run into you at a very vulnerable moment and you share something with me. But right. that's the only way right. that I'm going to do that in a workplace normally, right? I mean, it just doesn't happen in most businesses where these things go on. I don't care if it's small, medium, or large. We're visiting with Jason Troy, executive coach. He is uh, available, or you can find him at www.jasontroy, that's T-R-E-U.com. Jason, uh, we wanted to spend some time about this idea of inside out. Have we unpacked that to some extent, given this gamification of relationships that we just described? I mean, I think so in a lot of ways. I think one of the things that when I work with my clients, I mean, I call it a little bit of mini therapy or deep self inquiry in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. right? Because yeah. the blind spots and the patterns that don't serve you are the biggest problem standing in the way of you being a better leader, manager, communicator, performer, mm. everything else. Mm. It's not what you, it's not learning leadership tactics and strategies, right? Because if the blind spot that you have, right, is that mommy and daddy told you growing up to shut up all the time, it'd be very difficult for you to public speak and get in front of people and motivate them because it's going to be running in the back of your mind. Yeah. And you've got to know that and you've got to see that pattern. And if you don't bring it up and then find a way to get past it, nothing's going to help you do anything else, right? And so I find that these are the things that hold people back the most. It's not the learning of the rest of this stuff, because that's more tactical and people who are motivated can do that. But the other things that the unconscious things that are sitting in the back of your mind and those blind spots are the things that will derail you from the potential that you could have to being an incredible leader. Cause I see it in my clients, right? I have CEOs that are blowing it out, right? Um, because of work I'm doing with them, on, on this issue. Right. And it's difficult for them. Right. And they're brave and courageous to do this, but the results, and it's not long. I mean, it takes a few weeks for someone to make tremendous strides in doing this. You don't have to sit in therapy for a year. Right. Because that's yeah. a business is creating behavioral change. It's not sitting in therapy for a year. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different process and there was a place for that. And you know, there are times when people need that. Right. But a lot of the times these are just things that pop up that you can do things and be proactive about them and face your own fears or take proactive steps and move beyond them. So you take control of them. They, they stop controlling you like puppet strings. And that's what most people walk around here on. It's pretty amazing at the low levels that people are really living and organizations and the impact that that's having on productivity and most of these corporations and people aren't doing it. It's such a practical thing to implement for a leader in their own organization. So literally when you work with a, let's say a CEO or a leader that has a team that is experiencing some difficulty in whatever, any range of things that come up for teams, not being at, uh, at peak performance uh, and the relationships not being fully um, developed, do you literally talk to them about implementing this question uh, idea, this question mechanism and have them do sessions with their folks or what does it actually look like? In well, I can, terms? that game I recommend people do because I think it's just a good team building thing. Right. Okay. But then, but then part of it, I do stuff individually with them. 
because okay. part of the sessions in the beginning of doing some really deep self-inquiry, you can't do them in a group because it takes time and you've got to unwrap whatever the patterns are and do yeah. it pretty quickly with them. And then I think as you do group more group exercises, you create a place where people are much more vulnerable. Um, they finally see why they got where they got and why things are not working. And it makes really, uh, and, it, and it gives them an emotional communication and social platform to be able to communicate that everyone's on because everyone's gone through the same thing. And then I, you know, and then depending on the person about what's going on, you know, I have a bunch of different exercises that I do beyond that for probably the first six weeks with people, mm -hmm. because then they're in a really powerful place to take action in the real world. And they'll really be able to jump in and take leaps of faith on things that they could never do before. And that's the, that's the key, right? It's that people need to be able to take a leap of faith and not be so concerned about the landing because you're going to have to pivot, right? When you try new things, the people get so attached to outcomes that once they take leap of faith on doing anything, right? So like maybe they, they plan a big corporate speech or they have to do it in front of a group and it doesn't go very well. Mm -hmm. Well, then they think it's complete blown up, but they don't then do triage and think what happened, right? And then how can I do it better the next time and use as a learning experience? That's not someone's mindset when they're doing these things. And you have to have that where you pivot till you find success, right? Yeah. In whatever it might be that you're doing. And you, when you don't have that mindset and understand what's going on, you won't be able to persevere and do it. Right? And that's yeah. Yeah. And, and as you're working with someone individually, let's say a leader or an executive in this process, you made, and I think a rightful distinction between it's not therapy, it's something else. So, is it that you dig, you're digging into these? How do you find the blind spots is the question I'm trying to get. Well, I think part of what you do is I give them a paradigm. I call it the anatomy of change to show people that we have behavior in our life that want to change their stories. Yes. Um, yes. There are emotions, there are limiting beliefs, and then there yes. is basically yes. um, an original in, intent basically that happened. Something happened under age of 10 years old that caused you trauma that or is leaving you in the state that you are right now. Now you could have trauma later in life too, that could be adding to that, yeah. but something happened right there. And all of these patterns start to mount up. And once you start asking people questions and getting it, it's easy to map out the patterns of them to see it. Like a pattern easy to see is when I have clients who've had, um, fathers or mothers or close friends or relatives or entrepreneurs, those are the people that are the youngest entrepreneurs usually. And the op the only other exception is people who basically um, are so upset at their parents and family that they want to do something on their own and get away from it. And that's what caused them to do it. Um, but that's usually when you see entrepreneurs happening in the early 20s and mid 20s. That's where it came from. I rarely see that it's just like they don't have anything and they just did it and they have great relationships with their family. It does happen, but it's in a small amount. So yeah. once you see that you can start distilling this stuff down really quickly and it makes people makes a lot of sense and they understand why things were going on. Right? Like at a CEO of mine who, you know, just told his seven year old son, don't cry. Big boys don't cry. Right. It was in doing something. And then when you dig in his past, you know, from Boston, dad was a policeman, you know, never hugged him, no yep. emotions, right? Yep, yep, so yep, yep. what happens now at work, he's emotionally detached too. And yep. he starts to see this and he starts to see some of this stuff 
And then you talk it through and logically he sees this stuff and he's like, wow, I never pieced it together. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you don't want to do it. So you've got to break the chain. You've got to be the person who does it differently, right? And you can't look at the past, right? But you have to understand it because then you think, okay, what about his dad? And we talked about stuff and it was the same way with his dad's dad, right? So not something that he did because he's an unemotional individual. He did it because that's what he's done all his life. And in fact, that's what he inherited from his dad is inherited that too, right? So when you look at that stuff, then you can't really be vulnerable with your team, right? Your executive team and rest of it. And what happens? Well, then that cascades throughout the organization mm-hmm. and that causes a lot of issues and lack of productivity goes down. And when, you know, when you can do the opposite, be vulnerable, when you be emotional and care about people, then you're going to see an uptick on all those things, which did happen. Right. And it was just simply pointing out the pattern and then giving someone an opportunity to do a few things differently with people. And it wasn't that hard to do. Right. 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 And, Right. And that's all. And you can turn it around just like this. It, it, it happened in a matter of weeks. You describe it as almost kind of an easy pivot once you've identified these patterns yeah. of behavior and understand or can draw, connect the dots between, oh, this happened and therefore that's my belief system and that creates this set yeah. of uh, actions that uh, I tend to uh, follow in patterns that are not serving me or my organization, right? Exactly, right? Now, there are people when you uncover this stuff, and it rarely happens, but it does, that need additional therapy and I find them a therapist or help them with some other stuff. Right. But the other part of this that goes on too, is I have clients who are in failing marriages or having problems with kids at home. And here's the other thing that most managers don't understand that's impacting your team in a big way. Absolutely. If you're in an organization, you today, you have to manage people's personal lives. And actually you should have been doing it all along because investing in their personal life and getting them help is way cheaper than them sitting there and languishing. It, it just doesn't, it doesn't, I know because I talk to people and I see what goes on and I see the pain that they're in. And if they're at a senior level, I mean, they're costing, you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars um, on the bottom line. It, yeah. And they might not be getting help. And whether that means you're a board member or you're an executive or you're just someone's manager stepping in and helping them, um, will make a major difference. It's just that we don't think like that, but that's all, but that's all about productivity in the business. So that also comes out a lot. And I have to help people with that because if I don't help them with that, I can't get down to helping them on other things, right? Whatever the greatest pain is, you've got to solve that first, no matter what it is or what's going on, because the rest of it, they just won't be able to execute. Yeah, it cascades from that central primary source of pain. So you really work to identify that first, understanding that it's the ripple effect, not only them and their own internal ripple, but everybody they touch in their organization and then the organization touching customers. I'm sure there's an external piece to this as well as an internal, right? It's the same thing. Exactly, right? right? It's salespeople. A lot of the salespeople's problems aren't getting more training. It's all these blind spots that are going. <laughs> it's about right? people, understanding people. Yourself. Right. I, mean, yeah. I had a client of mine who I did a group thing with and a woman basically I got through at the end of this yeah. and she said that when she was in college, she'd call home and her mother and grandmother would make fun of her voice because she has a high-pitched voice. Uh-huh. And we connected the dots that she hated getting on the phone at work and calling up prospects and customers because that tape was playing in the back of her head. So Yikes. we just did some exercise where all she did was start sharing with all of her current customers and all prospects that the reason she got into sales was to overcome this. So we came up with a short story in the meeting with everyone there that I was like, just use that. 
And in a matter of like less than 30 days, I mean, her sales went all the way up. Her job became effortlessly. And like a year and a half later now, I got kept in contact with her and she's crushing it. And it's so easy. You know, it's all that. It's just that one thing. Yeah. No sales training, no learning how to do some other process or whatever was going to help her. It was simply that fact. And until you solve that problem, you're never going to get people near as efficient and effective there. And I think that's the problem with training and how people think about people in corporate America. Well, all individuals may come there with baggage and issues and in those, in those organizations have to help you solve them. Yeah. It's not about the information. It's not about the process. It's not about the, how big is your funnel? It's, it's this human stuff that you're reaching deeply into someone's Sometimes they're past, sometimes not so distant. In the case you yes. just mentioned, I mean, really, what I come away with there is you, you gave her, you rewrote the script, you rewrote a story so she could integrate that narrative in a positive way rather than yes. in this, a negative associative way. Do I have that right? Yeah, exactly, right? And in that way, when, and here's the other thing that happens, right? So when she shares that story with a customer or prospect, yeah. Then what happens is when you're vulnerable, <laughs> people are vulnerable back, right? So yep, what happens to that yep. customer prospect? Now they feel like they can tell her anything and they can con- like just share whatever's going on. So yep. what happened? Yep. Then they're pouring out their heart. Then what happens to her? Well, it's a win-win, right? You got because it. actually now she's helped them given someone that she has now a voice to share with them about what pain that's going on in their life. And then for her, these people don't want to leave, right? I mean, why are they going to go buy something else when they have someone who they like to work with they're going to pretty much, you know, never want to leave. I mean, unless they find some vast superior pro, you know, you know, uh, software that they could use that that's not there. But if it was, then they would go use it. But outside of that, they won't ever leave. Right. So, but everyone wins in a situation like that. Right. But all it took was, you know, probably 15 minutes sitting in a room to turn it all around. Unbelievable. Right. And I mean, this is this, I mean, and this could go for anyone and anyone listening to this, like it's inside the blind spots and you, you have them too. Every single person has them, right? It's not, Absolutely. there's not the special people. And unless you deal with them and find out what they are, then you will never reach the level um, of success and fulfillment in your life that you could be having right now. And that's the whole point. What's, you know, that's a high price to pay to be living a life um, that's far lower than what it should be for most people out there today. Jason, amazing work you're doing. By the way, I have to ask, what what led you into the executive coaching space as a profession yourself? You're so insightful, and you really have this understanding of humanity uh, that's pretty extraordinary. But where did you know? Why did this all pique your interest? You know, I just I just love helping people, and I, I'm an extrovert, and <laughs> yeah. I just found that I was doing a lot of this stuff on the yeah. side, yeah. and and yeah. I did it as a side hustle for a while when I had a full time corporate job, wow. and then I was like, I just want to take the leap in and. And, uh, sort of, you know, figure it out. And it's, uh, you know, like every entrepreneur, it's a windy up and down journey, but, yes, uh, yes. it's better, better every day. Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's is beautiful. Stuff. Of course, I know nothing about winding journeys. I'm kidding. Of course. Uh, yeah. Hey, one last thing. Uh, you are a podcaster as well. Tell us about your yeah. podcast and where we can find it. Of course, all the usual places, iTunes, et cetera, but, but tell us about what you're doing on the podcast. So, uh, it's called executive breakthroughs. And what I, I, call it a combination of uh, Oprah 
and learning from people, executives and high level entrepreneurs mm -hmm. on really their trials, um, errors, challenges, and then key insights that people can act on. Right. But I ask them in a way where I'm going through kind of their life history in a quick way. So you get a better snapshot of really what went on in their life and some high moments, low moments, and then insights from that that you can really extrapolate on. And um, I, so far, and I don't know, and it probably won't be all of them, but I've done them all in person and they've been all over the place. Oh, so really? Just, so I you do video these live on, with people in person. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, because one of the things is that I found is by doing them in person and how I want to get it, it's way more difficult to get all the insights out for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, so when I do it in person with them, I have them captive so I can get into the moments um, where they were at their rock bottom place and then have them sort of talk it through. And I find that that's um, for, for what I want to create out of it. It's m more helpful. Right. Um, and then it forces me to prepare more too. It's actually a good thing because I got to do as much research as I possibly can on the person and think about it because I got to sit in front of them. Is there something with the visual cueing as well that happens there when yeah, you're live with them in the room? Yeah, yeah. It, it really does. And I think that I get a lot more out of them than I would if I did it any other way, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not, you know, there are people that I will not be able to get in person on this, but mm -hmm. um, for the most part, I'm going to continually try to line up more of them and just travel to places and really get them as I move forward on it because I find that it's for what I want to get out of the show and what I want to do in it, it's really would be hard to do it um, any other way. Remarkable. So for, for those listening, Executive Breakthroughs is the name of the podcast. You can find it on iTunes, I'm sure, and, and all the other usual suspects where podcasts and on my website. are found. Yeah, it's, and on the it's website. My web, okay. It's my website, yeah, Jason Troy, you know, forward slash podcast. So Perfect. pretty simple. And let's remind folks that it's Troy is spelled T-R-E-U. And uh, joining us from Dallas today here on Small Biz America, Jason, thanks. Really insightful conversation and interview. Really appreciate you doing the show today. And thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us on our journey into the small biz brain. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and please do give us a review there. You can contact me at podcastandradio.com. I'm David Wolf. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank you.